You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast focused on TCU athletics. I'm Stephen Simcox, producer at 1660 ESPN Radio, and also your host on Locked On Horn Frogs. Appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, wherever it is you find your podcast. And I'd appreciate it if you'd uh, give me a five-star review. If you listen on Apple, that'd be a great way to help me out. Or if you want to recommend or tell a friend about it, I'm currently recording this outside even though it's freezing cold where I live in McGregor America because I have two toddlers and apparently when I talk loud late at night they've been waking up more specifically my three-year-old who hates to sleep has been waking up so I've been banished to the outside by my wife Kristen and I'd love it if you guys would subscribe and recommend this to your friends so I could get more listeners and I could get a bigger house maybe one day that'd be a, a cool thing so um, thank you for, for tuning in today. I, I want to cover a couple different topics. In this first segment, I want to debut a new sort of topic or segment, and it's called uh, the Pro Frogs Report. I want to just take a look at how some of the guys in the NFL that are TCU alums are doing. So we'll do that here in, in this first segment. In the second segment, we'll go around the Big 12. I want to take a look at some of the news in the Big 12 and just the games that took place and went down on Saturday. And finally, we'll close shop with some audio from Gary Patterson. He spoke with Brian Estridge on Horn Frog Nation about Noah Daniels, the offense and some of their struggles, and finally Charlie Brewer and how to defend Baylor. We also have a note about uh, a, a frog player who's in the transfer portal and we'll start looking at the Baylor matchup as it's Tuesday, so we're already sort of turning the page after that tough loss to OU, and we focused a lot on the the issues there and what was going on with, with Matt Jennings on Monday, if you want to listen back to that podcast if you missed it. But let's take a look at how some of the, uh, the Frog alums are doing in the NFL, and I want to start with Andy Dalton. It's really unfortunate. Andy took a vicious hit. Um, in Sunday's game, he's starting for the Cowboys now after Dak Prescott went down with an injury. He takes a really tough hit, and it was a dirty hit. I mean, there's no way around it. His teammates, for some reason, did not defend him. I don't. I still don't really know what was going on with that. Head coach Mike McCarthy was pretty upset that none of the offensive linemen um, got in Bostick's face after he went off and, and hit Dalton. But he's in concussion protocol now. He did travel back with the team. He was alert which was great. His stat line was not good. I mean, he was 9-19 for 75 yards, zero touchdowns and an INT. But I think anybody who watches the Cowboys understands that this is not really Andy Dalton's fault. I mean, he's he's being asked to do something really difficult. He's has an offensive line that is awful. He has a defense that just gives up big play after big play. And I really feel bad for Andy. I mean, I know he's still – in a good situation in a lot of ways. But I felt like this was the perfect place for him because he could sit behind Dak Prescott for the majority of the year, learn, absorb some things, kind of reset, uh, heal up his body, and maybe get another contract. Maybe he gets one more chance to start next season. And I, I'm curious now 
if that happens because unfortunately the tape that he's put out so far hasn't been great. And again, I don't think it's his fault. I feel like it's a byproduct of just playing behind this battered offensive line that the Cowboys are trotting out there every week. Anyway, we'll, we'll monitor this through the week and see how he does. But unfortunate situation for Dalton. And apparently, according to Adam Schefter, this is the first concussion he's ever had. And he's been very durable uh, throughout his career. I mean, it was it was a dirty hit that, that took him out. And it's unfortunate that it played out that way. But uh, prayers up to him and hope he heals quickly and he can get back on the field soon. And just an awful situation. The league decided not to suspend or uh, John Bostic for laying him out and, and taking that cheap shot. And I thought that was just ridiculous. But hopefully Andy can get back on the field soon. Um, elsewhere, Jeff Gladney, one of the rookies uh, for the Frogs, that's trying to make an impact this year. He had eight tackles, seven solo tackles against the Falcons. Um, they had a bye week. That Falcons game was actually two weeks ago. They had a bye week this past Sunday. And on the year, just playing well. He's got 27 tackles. He's got a couple passes defended. Um, he's caused a turnover. He caused a fumble. I think for a guy that's immediately starting in the NFL in a short offseason, they really like what they see from Jeff in Minnesota and happy for him. He's one of my favorite players at TCU ever just because of his intensity and the way he would lock up guys. Um, he was a fun dude to watch. He would get up in people's face. He wouldn't back down from anybody. I'm a huge Jeff Gladney fan, and I'm glad he's doing well in Minnesota. The guy with probably the best week was Jerry Hughes, uh, the vet who's in Buffalo. He had two sacks and an interception against the Jets, and he dominated the final drive of that game. The Jets were down eight, and they were trying to get down the field, and Hughes got a sack on Sam Darnold, and then the next play, there was a ball that was batted down, and Jerry was in the right place at the right time, and he intercepted it to seal the game. So a really nice game from Jerry Hughes. He's been maybe one of the most consistent. He's been one of the most consistent uh, TCU players in the NFL for years. He is always getting after the passer. He has 12 tackles on the season. And it was good to see him dominate a game against uh, a, a bad Jets team. But still, it's an AFC East game. It's an important game for the Bills to win. They have been on a, a losing streak. So nice to see Jerry get in there and make some plays. Um, another good story this year has been Jason Verrett. He had three tackles against the Patriots as the Niners won a big game against the Pats. Um, and he has an interception on the year. He really showed out in a Sunday night game a couple weeks ago. I'm really happy to see that Jason's playing well. He has been snow snake bitten by injuries and being out for year upon after year with an Achilles or an ACL or whatever it might be. He might be the best player I saw in my time in college. Even on that team that was 4-8, and eight, Back in 2013, Jason was one of the bright spots as he would just lock up whatever assignment he was given. He was always um, an incredible corner and really glad to see that he's doing well. Some other guys that made an impact on Sunday, uh, Ty Summers had three tackles for the Packers against the Texans. He's got 24 tackles on the year. He's found a spot in that linebacker rotation. Uh, Vernon Scott also with the Packers. He had a tackle against the Texans. He's got six tackles on the year. L.J. Collier had a tackle in that crazy Sunday night game where the Seahawks lost to Arizona in overtime. He got his first sack this season, and it looks like maybe things are clicking a little bit for L.J. in year two. Um, ben Banigou and Ross Blacklock, they played. They did not record stats on Sunday, but 
a good number of guys playing in the league and playing in the league well, and that has to be good for recruiting. That has to be good for the program and just the pride uh, in what they're doing and recognition for TCU football. So I wanted to highlight some of that as we uh, as we move through the season, and that'll be a, a weekly thing that we do is take a look at which frogs are doing well um, in the NFL and, and who's making a, a big-time impact. Okay, coming up, we will tackle uh, the other games in the Big 12, some of the results and some of the things that went down across the conference. But first, I want to talk to you about Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on? It's the start of another work week. Are you sort of dreading that you have a busy schedule? It's go, go, go. You're not going to have much time to chill. Well, when it is time to chill, when you do find those rare moments where you can sort of turn your brain off and just enjoy a moment alone or with friends or with family, make sure you reach out and grab a cold Coors Light. Uh, and Coors Light's great to drink when you're, uh, when you're watching sports, whether you're watching football later this week, the NFL or college football. Even if your team's not playing, there's still plenty of games on. The World Series is going on right now, and you can turn on the TV and, and grab a beer and just have an excuse to chill. It doesn't matter you know, what it is that you're you're doing while you're chilling out. Uh, but you need to grab a, a cold Coors Light. Watching football is therapeutic to fans. It's that uninterrupted me time. As you're getting ready to watch some college football this weekend, make sure you have Coors Light on hand. Coors Light's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can get some sent straight to your door at GetCoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's also talk about Rock Auto. Are you having trouble with your car, your truck? And there's so many makes and models now, and it can be hard to know exactly what you need. Maybe going to an auto shop or an auto repair shop is an intimidating experience for you. You don't know exactly you know, what, what you should have. They're trying to upsell you. You don't know if you should go ahead and buy it, if it's really that serious. Well, Rock Auto is great because it's personalized for every vehicle. You can do a quick search and find exactly what you need. It's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to auto, rockauto.com, and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. So you have a great selection. They have everything from engine control models and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Rockauto.com catalog is unique, and it's easy to navigate. That's what I love about it. I can find what I need quickly. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals or just do-it-yourselfers. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section on their website so they know we sent you. It's all your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Back here on Locked On Horn Frogs, segment two, and we're going to take a look around the Big 12 and see how some other teams did in the conference. And I want to start with uh, this Baylor and Texas game. Texas wins 27-16. to Baylor's offense, similar to TCU's offense, is really struggling. The Bears only had three points through the first three quarters of the game. They couldn't get anything going on the run game, only 64 yards rushing. They're having offensive line issues as well. Uh, Charlie Brewer threw the ball 43 times, but he was only averaging six yards per completion. They didn't really stretch the ball vertically. Offensively for Texas, Sam Ellinger was very efficient, 15-23 to for 270, a touchdown and a pick. Um, they ran the ball pretty well. Nobody had an eye-popping game, but they spread things around. Ended up with a, about 160 yards on the ground. And they were able to score against the Baylor defense that's held up pretty well so far this year. They got some big plays in the passing game. Um, and they get the victory 27-16. Baylor made a late push in that football game. 
but the Horns end up winning. So maybe the hot seat cools down a little bit for Tom Herman. Obviously, there's still a lot of pressure there, but they do get the victory. After the game, all of their players stood and at least addressed the fans for the eyes of Texas. So that conversation slows down for a week. We'll see moving forward what's going on with with, uh, UT. They have a big game against Oklahoma State coming up this week. So if they fall on their face there, I imagine the the job security talk for Tom gets ramped up again. But for right now, it cools off after they get a victory against a Baylor team that they they really needed after losing um, two in a row in, in Big 12 play. Hello, Texas Tech, and welcome to the 2020 season. They get their first victory since their season opening win over Houston Baptist, 34-27. to uh, Tech made a quarterback change this week. They benched Allen Bowman, and they went in favor of Henry Columbia, who's a transfer from Utah State, Matt Wells' last stop. He was good, 22-28, 169 yards. I mean, they were another team that didn't take a lot of shots down the field, but he did what he was asked to do. Um Tech ran the football fairly well, uh, 179 yards as a team on the ground. This was a, an interesting game to me because I really thought West Virginia might have something cooking. I, I felt like that defensive front is really good. Um, they've been solid on that side of the ball all year long. They had a, a nice win over Baylor. They played Oklahoma State tough. They beat Kansas, which, you know, KU it is what they are, and, and they're not a very good football team, but still – I just felt like maybe West Virginia had sort of found a formula to win and playing solid defense, getting pressure on the opposing quarterback, and taking advantage offensively when they could. But they fall to Tech, who gets their first Big 12 win of the season, and the Red Raiders now move to 1-3 and three in conference play after edging out uh, West Virginia 34-27. to 27. Um, Kansas State destroys Kansas 55-14. to 14. Not a lot to say about this football game. KU is, is just not very good. They went back to Jalen Daniels, Kansas that is, who's a true freshman, and he was 22-39 for 207 yards, had an interception. Will Howard, the true freshman for K-State, I mean, he's played well. Now, he's not lighting up the the stat sheet, but 17-24 for 243 yards, did not throw an interception. He turned the ball over once, I think, against TCU a couple weeks ago. But overall, he's he's done a nice job. And they're 2-0 and even without Thompson in the lineup. Deuce Vaughn had 71 yards. But K-State had a special teams touchdown. They had a touchdown on defense. I mean, they were able to pile up points, not just offensively, but completely as a team. And this is going to be a dangerous team to watch. I mean, they're 4-0 in conference play now. They haven't played – um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, but there's been some impressive wins. I mean, they beat Oklahoma in Norman with the, a huge comeback. And even after this injury at quarterback, they're still growing, going strong. So a really nice job by Chris Kleiman. I wasn't sure about that hire when it happened because North Dakota State, obviously he had done a great job there, but that's like the Alabama of FCS. So I didn't know exactly how difficult it was to win at that level at that school. I mean, obviously, you have less resources, but for an FCS school, I would imagine they get the best recruits, the best talent, have some of the best facilities in that division, and he's probably has a leg up on most of the most of his competition. But he's come in, and he's done an outstanding job so far at Kansas State. 
and a year and a half, and they're rolling in Big 12 play. And the uh, the big game of the weekend from a Big 12 championship implication standpoint is Oklahoma State getting a victory over Iowa State 24-21. to The Cowboys are now 4-0 on the season and 3-0 in conference play. And I've been super impressed. First of all, Chuba Hubbard goes off. Welcome to the party, Chuba. He had had a slow start to the year, but he had 25 carries for 139 yards. Spencer Sanders looked good. He's been uh, banged up with injury, and he threw a couple picks, but he was 20-29, so he was pretty efficient when he wasn't throwing the ball to the other team, which is is an important distinction to make. And this Oklahoma State defense is playing really well right now. Now, Brees Hall – almost ran for 200 yards for Iowa State. But they held Brock Purdy in check. He wasn't able to do a whole lot. And, you know, they bowed their neck and made some plays in the red zone to uh, to force some field goals that were missed by Iowa State. It's just an impressive win by this team. And I really felt like I didn't know exactly if, if this team was going to be behind Mike Gundy after the whole OAN snafu. And Chuba Hubbard was very vocal about things need to change and there's a toxic culture here. And we're, we're not comfortable with some of the things Coach says and does. But they found a way to rally. And they did not look super impressive uh, against Tulsa. Yeah, that was their opener against Tulsa. They escaped that game in what was a defensive struggle. But since then, they've reeled off, you know, three straight wins. They did end up holding on and winning that Tulsa game. And we saw the Big 12 teams that got to play non-conference games, they did not do very well. I mean, Iowa State and Kansas State are at the top of the standings, and Iowa State lost to Louisiana, and Kansas State lost to uh, to Arkansas State to start the year. So it, it was hard to win those season openers, and Oklahoma State was able to find a way to do it, even if they didn't get a lot of style points in that game. Now, Oklahoma State still has Bedlam. I mean, they still have to play K-State. There's important games on that schedule. But they look like the best team in the conference right now. They look like the most complete team in the conference right now. And, man, that OU-Oklahoma State game, if we continue this trajectory, is going to be a lot of fun because I feel like Oklahoma's started to figure some things out and they've really settled into what they want to do offensively and defensively. And, obviously, Oklahoma State is playing really well. So that is your recap of the Big 12, what happened around the conference uh, this Saturday and what – you know, what's going on, where the standings are. TCU, we'll get back to them next as they face a pretty pivotal game against rival Baylor, and we'll hear from head coach Gary Patterson in the next segment. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, hosted by myself, Stephen Simcox, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One final segment here on Locked On Horn Frogs. Remember, uh, if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you listen, I'd really appreciate it. That way it gets downloaded. I usually I try to post these and schedule these to go live at 6 a.m. every day. So on your morning commute, you can just get out your phone, go to your podcast app, click on it, and you can listen right away. And if you want to give me a review, um, that'd be great. A five-star review would be fantastic. Or if you just want to recommend this to your friends, say, hey, there's a podcast about TCU sports that I really love listening to. I'd appreciate that as well. Um, if you can help grow the show, I'd love that. I want to, you know, share this with other people and inform a community. And if you have feedback for me, you can find me on Twitter at Simcox Steven and the show on Twitter at Locked On at Locked On TCU. At Locked On TCU is where you can find the show. You can ask me questions. You can give me comments. You can give me constructive feedback. Whatever it is that you uh, that you wish, 
tweet at me either at SimcockSteven or at LockedOnTCU. Wanted to close today with some Gary Patterson audio. He spoke with Brian Estridge on Horn Frog Nation, uh, and that's going to air later this week on Fox Sports Southwest. Here's Gary talking about Noah Daniels, who is unfortunately looks like going to be out for the season. He's been playing really well for TCU at that top corner spot. He's a fun guy to watch. Here's Gary just on how his heart goes out to him, and it's really unfortunate that Noah's going to miss the remainder of the season. Oh, yeah, that was a tough one, especially, you know, it's a non-contact, you know, kind of gets turned around and, you know, then overreacts. And, again, kind of what I said about the deep balls, you know, those kind of things happen. You just got to you just got to calm down and get ready to go. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's Noah's had a lot of bad luck. He was really having a great season, uh, really is going to be a really good corner Uh he was playing very well for us, and he'll when he gets back, he'll play really well later on. I think he'll learn a lot. So just a tough situation all the way around. I mean, obviously, you feel terrible for Noah. He was having a great year. He was coming off a season-ending injury that cut his season short a couple seasons a couple years ago. He had settled into that top corner spot, and that's become a position where you can count on somebody stepping up, and that's a big deal. I mean, whether it was Jeff Gladney, I think, Kevin White really grew into that uh, spot as well. Jason Verrett. They've just had player after player uh, sort of key in and lock into that spot and do a great job. And Noah had taken that role. And to see his season get cut short, it's it's just super unfortunate. Keon Stewart will um, take that role now and, and will run with it and try to move forward. But um, just a tough situation. And hopefully Noah can focus on his rehab and, and get healed up quickly and come back stronger next season. The offense, we've talked about it at length. I, some of you might be tired of it. I know we harp on it a lot, but it's it's the biggest glaring weakness on this team, and it's the thing that I feel like is really holding them back. So Gary was asked about some of the positives on offense, like Max Duggan and Tay Barber, who are doing a nice job, and then what has to be cleaned up for this unit to take the next step. Yeah, you know, we just – we can't um... – Really, he did the things he needed to. We just can't put ourselves where we made good plays, and then we'd have personal foul families. You got, you can't, you can't get caught up in the ball game, um, and so you know we have to, we have to be smarter about that. But you know, Max, then the long run he had, uh, I think it was what thirty some yards. Uh, yep. Got us down there where we scored a touchdown uh, later on. You know, it's he's going to make those kind of plays, and he's just going to keep getting better doing all that stuff. I don't think that's there's any doubt that that's what he's going to end up doing, and going to keep getting stronger and stronger as our leader and, and for guys to start playing, wanting to play just exactly like he does. So uh, we just do it. We got better some things offensive line wise. Uh, we got to run the ball. Got to run the wrong ball better because I think that's how you win ball games going along with you got to score points, period. Uh, and, you know, especially down in the red zone when you talk about running the football uh, because, the, you know, that, that, whole, that whole yardage gets shortened. So, uh, you know, these guys know. Our kids are our kids are going up and they're smarter. They know they gotta, you know, what we gotta do to get done what we need to get done. So he focuses there on the discipline aspect, and that's something me and Matt talked about yesterday. This is a very undisciplined team, which is an uncharacteristic thing for a Gary Patterson group. I mean, you see the penalties of aggression with TCU teams. You see some targeting calls, you see some roughing the pass or unnecessary roughness or that kind of thing, not because they're playing dirty, but just because they get after it. They're intense. They want to force negative plays. You see the pass interference calls because they play a lot of man coverage. But some of the stupid after the play, you know, the personal fouls, 
the late hits, those things have to be cut out. Those frustration penalties have to go away, and TCU just hasn't done a great job of cleaning those things up. And when you're an offense that's struggling, you can't afford to play behind the sticks, and they played behind the sticks so much this year, and it's just something they're not going to be able to get out of if uh, if they can't get positive yards and, and stay ahead and not get into third and long. Finally, he was asked about this Baylor matchup. Charlie Brewer has been at Baylor for what feels like a million years. He's a senior who got playing time, significant playing time as a freshman. So this will be the fourth season that they've seen him. What does he see with Brewer and this Baylor team as a whole? That's going to be challenging. Oh, yeah, Charlie's been there a long time. So, you know, he's, he's a veteran. Uh, they have a good skill set of running backs. Uh, that we expect all of them to play. And then, you know, they have speed at the wide receiver position. And and as always, they've got a big offensive line. Defensively, uh, they lost some guys up front, but they're led by a really good running back, I mean, linebacker and a safety. So, uh, and their corners, their, our corners are really fast. So you, you got to, you know, it's, 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 the same, it's the same Baylor game. So Baylor and their new head coach, Dave Aranda, and we'll get back into that tomorrow, just sort of what this matchup's going to look like, but should be a fun one. Again, this is a Baylor team that is pretty defensive heavy. That seems to be what they're hanging their hat on. Their offense is struggling. But Brewer's a dangerous guy. I mean, I think he's best when he's off schedule, when he can improvise and make plays. And he's just a gritty dude. I mean, he just finds a way. It can be frustrating because he can look terrible for three quarters and then just make some plays on you and find a way to win a game. But he, he's been known to do that. He's a gamer. And I think that's the best way to describe him, even if it's not necessarily – <laughs> A great description of his skill set. He just he finds a way to make plays, especially when they need it most. One more thing uh, before we go, just a, a TCU note that was interesting. It came across on Twitter today that Eli Williams, freshman quarterback, is going to enter the transfer portal for TCU. And they've had a couple guys over the past few days end up in the transfer portal. Um, I mean, Eli was a, a three-star quarterback out of Oklahoma and he hasn't really worked his way up the depth chart. Duggan is going to be here for at least the next couple years with the extra year of eligibility. Maybe he decides to stay a little longer. Uh, Matthew Downing has a spot in number two. So it's a big-time recruit. He's the number 11 prospect in OU in the state of Oklahoma in 2020. It's never great when somebody leaves. I'm not sure if it's a huge deal. I, I wish he lied the best. I do find it interesting. I mean, it hasn't been that long, so you do wonder why not wait a little bit longer to see if you can work your way up up the depth chart. But I guess he just saw the writing on the wall. Maybe he wasn't happy for whatever reason. Um, he's going to try to move on. And TCU is pretty set at who their starting quarterback is. I think Max Duggan is going to be the guy for the future. Um, so in the immediate, it's not a big deal. We'll see if it comes up to be a bigger issue later on, but these things happen. Best to Eli as he tries to find where he's going next. Tomorrow, we'll get more into this Baylor matchup. Uh, what are the key things that are going to have to take place for TCU to get back on track and get a victory and start turning the season around? Thank you for listening today. I'm Stephen Simcox. This has been the Lockdown Horn Frogs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.